0: And once we've made space for everyone else and once we've said hi to one another, let's go ahead and take our seat. Church, it's, it's a great pleasure to be here with you guys this morning, worshiping God and, and growing together. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Adrian Castillo and I am uh, the campus pastor over at Hillside uh, for Somos Grace uh, we have the task of reaching our Spanish-speaking community for, uh, uh, on behalf of Grace Bible Church, and uh, we've been doing that since November of 2020. That's right. We were brave enough to launch during COVID. <laughs> And uh, and it's been amazing to see what God has done in our Spanish-speaking community already. So those of the team that were up here uh, leading us in worship today, that is our worship team back at Hillside. And and I know it was a little, I don't know, a little louder, a little different. Bear with us. It won't always be this way. You you get to have your worship team back next week. But for today, we're we're, we're having fun together. Ain't that right? We're having fun together. And unfortunately, unfortunately, you guys are stuck with me. I know Pastor Eddie is a whole lot more loving than I am sometimes, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not true. We all love. We all love you. But no, uh, you are stuck with me for the next—I don't know—45 minutes. I think. You know, I don't get to speak in English a lot, and uh, English is my native language. Uh, I know I, I helped plant Grace in Espanol, but uh, Spanish is my second my second language. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if I can call it a second language. It might be my third or fourth language. Um, I don't have anything in between, but God has been faithful and God has allowed us to still uh, share uh, the truth with with those that are coming in Spanish. But what I'm trying to say to you is uh, my vocabulary is just aching to get out in English. Um, I have a lot of words to say. I don't even know if they pertain to the sermon. I just want to say them. (laughs) So uh, grab your cup of coffee. Go ahead and get comfortable in your chair because you're going to be here a while. I'm just letting you know. There's, there's going to be a, a big mess in the parking lot because the other service is going to be trying to get in while you're trying to get out. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll get you out of here in time. Church, um, it, we've been going through our series called Belong um, in Spanish. We've uh, titled it Pertenecer. And um, we've been talking about the importance of belonging to the church community belonging to the church community, and, and living in a culture that's extremely individualistic, and and we just mentioned um, one of the reasons why COVID had a very negative impact on our communities, and, uh, and what we learned to do was we learned to live life within our own little bubble, and, and to be honest with you, there's some of you in here saying, man, you see, I shouldn't have come today, it's too packed, it was too loud, I could have just watched it at home with my TV, cup of coffee, feet kicked up on the ottoman. But the the thing is, is that, uh, that's just the way culture lives nowadays. That's just kind of the general sense of culture. It's very individualistic. Uh, A few decades ago, uh, it meant something to be a part of a membership. It meant something to be a part of a country club. It meant something to be a part of, of the American Express credit card. It meant something to sign up and feel like, wow, I am a member of this. And nowadays, because of our lack of commitment to things, in other words, we cut the cable, right? We cut the cable. And we don't want to commit to anything. And because of that, we tend to live very individualistic lives. And that has infiltrated the church. And our very way of living within the church and the body of Christ, uh, it, 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 it's more an example of the culture today than it really is an example of what God gave us in his word and so through this series, Belong, we've been trying to encourage you and to call you to something that's greater than yourself because that is what the church is. It's, it's, it's a living organism. It's the very body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're, we, we've been trying to call you to something, to be a part of something, to commit to something that's far greater than your own selfish ambition or your own way of living in your own individualistic bubble. And so the first thing I want to ask you to do, and I asked our Spanish congregation to do this last week, because I said, you know what? Why don't you turn to your right and to your left and see the people sitting next to you? Why don't you guys go ahead and do that? Go ahead and do that. Take a minute. And the reason I ask you to do this is because I, I, I want you to walk out of here today with an understanding that every person you looked at That has come to faith in Christ Jesus. Every person you looked at represents our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And how we live with them is directly influenced by what we believe about our Lord, by what we believe about his love, and by what we believe about his gospel. And so it is our belief as a church that God calls us to live within a community where we could lay ourselves down and learn to care for one another. As a matter of fact, the title of today's sermon is just simply that, 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 the, the, we, that we are the church, and the church is God's community of care. And so what, I, my, what my goal is through this sermon, it's to motivate you, To say, if I've come to trust Christ Jesus, my Lord, I have a call to live in a community. And in that community, I am cared for and I care for others. I am cared for and I care for others. There's a great sense sometimes of 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 that we live our Christian life on Sunday. We come to church. We come to the reunion, the gathering. We know now that the church is the assembly of the saints. So we come to this on Sunday, but more and more today, what we do is we leave here and we forget about those we came to worship with and we came to learn with because we're caught up with our own lives And the reality is, is that when you read the New Testament, you come to understand that it's, the the, the story of the New Testament is about Jesus Christ, our Savior, and one more person, or one more entity, the church. You see... The gospel was Jesus being revealed to us as our Savior, as the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. He's revealed to us as the Messiah. He comes and he dies on the cross. He takes the the weight of our sin on the cross. He takes the wrath of God for sin on the cross. But then he resurrects and he gives us the great hope. And our Lord and Savior didn't leave us alone or orphaned, but he sent his Holy Spirit to live in every individual and every Christian and every believer. But then after that story in the book of Acts, the book of Acts begins to tell us the history of how the New Testament church began. And every letter from that point until the end is either about the church, it's to the church, or it's the book of Revelation, a revelation of end times for the church to know. So in neither one of the books in the New Testament can you Erase the idea of living in community in the church. That's what it's all about. But unfortunately, too much or or too much of today's teachings and doctrines, uh, too much of today's churches have been focused on exterior living instead of living well within the church with one another. And so today, I want to try to uh, bring about a few points that would help us see the importance of living in community and how. By living in this community, God can care for us and we can care for others. And so my very first point is this, uh, that we live in community to take care of each other. It's pretty simple. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25. The Apostle Paul says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Same care for who? Oh, man, y'all don't like this message. Let's say it again. Care for There we go. Care for one another. And what I love about this passage is is it introduces the idea of caring for each other and, and what caring for each other helps us avoid. Because right before he tells us to care for one another, he talks about division and how to avoid division. Right And church, do you realize that if we could all live a life where we're caring for each other, then it would be very difficult for any seed of division to come within the church? Because you're no longer thinking about yourself. You're no longer worried about your comfort. You're no longer worried about your taste and what you believe music should be like. But you are more worried about caring for those who are around you and sitting next to you or worshiping with you. And, and, and in order to care for someone, you have to forget yourself. And when we do that, we're able to avoid the division that, that has plagued the church for centuries. That's one of the greatest problems in the church is division. But what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that if we could just learn to care for one another, that will be avoided because our goal now isn't to come on Sunday, is not to come to a, uh, a class or uh, some type of uh, offering that the church is giving us in order to grow f- just simply for ourselves, but we're coming so that we can grow with others and we can care for others. And so caring for others in the body of Christ is one of the one another's that we see in the New Testament. And now I want to give you seven ways that we can care for each other using the one another's. The one another's in the New Testament uh, are instructions to the church of how to live with one another, how to love one another, how to care for one another, how to do life with one another. Uh, But the only way that we can accomplish that is by living in community with the church. Because he's speaking about community life within the church, within the church. And so first, let's take care of the home and then we can begin to reach the world. So. The first one I want to I want to share with you is Galatians 6:2. Carry each other's burdens. Galatians 6:2 says, "Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ." Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so the idea here in Galatians is that as a church, as a people, As brothers and sisters of Christ, as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, we are to carry each other's burdens. But what type of burdens? Well, Paul's main focus here are the spiritual burdens. The spiritual burdens that we carry. We still live in a broken world. We still live in a culture that challenges our very truths. It challenges the way that we live. And at times, we tend to want to conform to the world and to the culture than we do to the truth that we find in the word of God, which is the Bible. And so we struggle with temptation, we struggle with, with different ideas and ideologies, but the, real, the reality is, is that if we could live the way Paul speaks here, then guess what? We could help each other carry these burdens by praying, by, by speaking to, by wanting to share words of wisdom and words of truth with each other, but you can only do that by living in community. The only way that the church can bear your burdens is that you would commit to live in community with the church. And a lot of times we get into very difficult moments and we begin to feel alone, which becomes, which is simply a microcosm or a result of our desire to live life alone. And what God has given us is he's given us a community that would say, I will bear your burdens with you. I will bear your burdens with you. It's a beautiful thing when the body of Christ does this. And by doing so, we're able to fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. And the next one that we see is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. He says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward... Toward? There we go. They want to hear you on video. That's why, that's why I'm having you repeat it. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the idea here is that we would lay down our pride and live in humility. The greatest example of that humility is Jesus Christ himself. We know he is the creator of all. Through him, all things were created. Without him, nothing would exist. Yet, as the Creator of the world, Jesus Christ decided to come to this world and step into the brokenness of this world, to take on the weight of your sin and my sin on the cross, that He would take on the very wrath of God for you and for me. But Jesus didn't do that with a proud spirit or a proud heart or proud attitude. He did it in humility. In church, let me give you uh, a clue here. Let me give you uh, a hint why this is so important. Because in the gospel, in the gospel, every believer throughout time, every believer, it doesn't matter who you were or who you are, every believer only brings their sin, their brokenness, and their spiritual death into this relationship with God. It is God that through mercy, through his love and grace, gives us justification. He makes us righteous, and he gives us eternal life. You brought nothing to this. I brought nothing to this. So then how could we live proud lives as believers? We have nothing to be prideful of. We have everything to be grateful for and nothing to be proud of. And when a, when a group of believers understands that, we're able to set ourselves aside a little bit, just a little, just a little, and we're able to care for the person next to us. And we're able to carry the burden for the person next to us. Because guess what? Then you realize that the church isn't here to serve your pride and feed your ego. The church is here because of Him. The church is here despite and in spite of our brokenness. The church is here because He was good, not us, but now we get the opportunity to live in that goodness together. And that's what He calls us to. And when, you're, when, you, when we live humbled lives, you know, the paint on the wall isn't going to matter as much. If the music is a little loud this week, you know, I already told you we are coming from someone's grace. We won't be here next week. It's okay. It's okay. Because we're still worshiping the same God. We're singing the same truths. But, but we, all, we all have our own pride to deal with. Oh, that's, that's not the way I like it. No, they didn't sing a hymn today. Mm. That's a little too loud. Mm. I hear the walls rumbling. That means it's too much bass. It sounds like a car passing in front of my house. Boom, 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 boom. And, and we can forget those things because we're laying ourselves down and we're laying our pride down. Remember, you didn't bring anything into this. You didn't contribute anything to your salvation. Nothing. As a matter of fact, scripture even tells us that we're sanctified through the spirit as well. We're sanctified by grace. So even your sanctification is a work of God. And guess how God wants to work it out? Through the church. Hmm. Imagine that. That's why we're so afraid of it. That's why we're so afraid of it. Most of us are afraid of this community because we're afraid that this community is going to be used by God to speak truth into our life and cause us to make some changes that we're unwilling, we're unwilling to confront right now on our own. We want to live comfort in comfort. Sorry, guys. The next one. Be kind to one another, even though the words might seem harsh. No, we're being kind. We're being kind. Be kind to one another. And what I want to do is I want to dispel the idea of kindness. But first, let's read it. Let's, let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right, and and what I love about this passage is it it, it removes the idea that kindness can simply be a a, a shake of a hand, a smile. Like, hey, how are you doing? You look so nice today. Wow, it's amazing. You got your Sunday's best on today. I tell you that right now. And we said, man, those people are so kind. And and the reality is, is that is that Paul's intent here and Paul's use of the word kindness simply means an an, an action towards someone's need. It's acting towards someone's need. And so if you've never ever acted towards someone's need within the church, you've never been kind. It doesn't matter how many times you smile. It doesn't matter how many times you say good morning. It, it, it's, it's, it's going back to carrying each other's burdens. It's going back to taking care of one another. And being kind means I notice or I can identify my brother and sister's need, and I'm willing to take a step to fulfill that need in action. But again, I go back to a very... Uh, just very simple truth is that if, you, if, if we don't live in community, it's very difficult to experience that. And I want to invite you guys to experience that because it's a beautiful thing. I, I remember when we first got to Grace, we had our first, our, our last born, our baby, Adeline, and, and we were just blown away by the kindness of the church. No one really knew us. I had only been at the church for like a week or two. And and the leadership team of the church decided to get together, and every single day the families were dropping off food and food and food and food. And Daisy's like, tell them we already have enough. I said, no, no, I won't tell them that because I, this food is good. I want more. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that, but... Anywho, that's not true. But we, we experience the goodness of God through community. Uh, the other day, I was, we were at a memorial service for a brother in Christ, uh, and uh, we were celebrating his, his graduating to go be with our Lord and Savior, and it was an amazing thing to hear the testimonies of how he, how he lived life, stepping into the need of people and fulfilling those needs for them. That was kindness. And the words that were shared about that man that day were simply amazing. An example of Christ Jesus himself. And that's who we are called to be. But church, we must do that in community. It says we must be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Church, give up your need for vengeance. Give it up. It's no good. It's poison. It doesn't help us. I guarantee you, if you just simply looked at the circumstances in which you want vengeance, you will find that your need for vengeance has caused more pain, more destruction, and more ruin simply by wanting that vengeance. We're we're called to forgive one another as, as God forgave us in Christ himself. And that's being kind. That's being kind. Let's move on to the next one. It says, be good to one another be good to one another uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 15 says see that no one repays anyone evil for evil but always seek to do good to one another and for everyone and for everyone Jesus said at the, on the, in his um, sermon on the mountain he said uh, essentially he said anyone can love a brother but I call you and I'm telling you that you must love your enemies mm, that's difficult Well, if you're a person that needs vengeance, that's going to be very hard. But if you're a person who can forgive, that would be a lot easier because uh, it's very difficult to try to live at peace or try to live loving someone when they've offended you if we haven't come to the understanding that vengeance is of the Lord's and not ours. And when we can hand that off to him, we can be loving toward others and we can care for one another and we can forgive one another a whole lot easier we first have to trust him and we must not repay evil for evil, but we must do good for one another. James gives us another good one. He says, pray for one another. In James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of prayer of the righteous can accomplish much. Pray for one another, but, but church... Um, The first part there says that we must confess our sins to each other. Confess your sins to each other. Have you in your life trusted God in this? And just simply said, you know what, I'm going to find a brother that I love and trust, and I'm going to share share my mess up with him. I'm going to confess my sin with him or with her. And I'm going to ask them to help me, to help me begin to walk in a path of righteousness, to pray for me. And, and and he gives us this so that we can be healed spiritually. Many times this verse is used out of context, and we want to say, "Hey, if I pray, you know, God, God is gonna, God is gonna heal you," because James says that. Well, James is talking about the spiritual sickness that we have of sin. and and when we live in community and we live in an authentic community and a transparent community and we're sharing our mess-ups with each other, guess what? We can help each other and pray for one another and God honors that and he'll be faithful with that and he will help those people begin to walk in paths of righteousness and we are those people. I need that as much as you need that. Back in January, right out here in the foyer, we were having a meeting with our leadership team and during that meeting, I confessed my sin. I had to come clean that pride had once again gripped my heart. And it was affecting the way that I was living out this Christian life with my brothers and sisters. And I confessed it and I asked for forgiveness. And that team, that group group of men that were there that day, When they heard me, they didn't judge me. They cared for me. They helped me. They helped carry my burden. They prayed for me. And some of them said, I commit to be praying for you, Adrian. And that was helpful for me, and God has honored that. But that could only happen because I live in community. I'm willing to share that with someone. So I can be healed of my pride. I can be healed of my selfishness. Because I have a church community who's willing to live out James chapter 5, verse 16. Amen. Church, I'm calling you to this. this. This isn't something that you're hearing and you should say, geez, I don't want to do that. This is something you should say, wow, God, thank you so much because I needed that. I need that. And that's what we're calling you to. The next one is to serve each other. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you recall to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. And I love this. I love this because one of the fears that people have with, with the, uh, the doctrine of, 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 of grace, uh, that we are saved through faith alone in Christ alone and that nothing else can save us, One of the fears most people have when they first come and hear that gospel and they read it and they're like, wait, the Bible does say that. But the fear comes into their hearts. But doesn't that give us too much freedom to go and sin? And they tell us, Pastor, aren't you worried about that? And we say, no, we're not. Because it's not our job to sanctify the believer. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And God, he uses us to do that or he uses us to help in that process. But that's his job. So I'm not concerned about that, but I can also point to verses like this where the antithesis of living in freedom or living in our sin because of our freedom, he calls us not to do that. We are not to live in sin because we are free, but, but, but because we are free, now, now we can serve each other. If you aren't using the freedom that the grace of God and the gospel of Christ gives you to serve other believers then we're not living according to the text. We're, we're rebelling and we're rejecting one of the very purposes of this freedom. And that purpose is now that we are, we are free, we are free to serve each other in love, in kindness, in mercy, in forgiveness, and in service. Peter, 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says... As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, I know all of us in here have been gifted in one way or another. And I know that everyone in here is seeking to use that gift to better our 401k portfolio. We're using that gift to better our class and society. We're using that gift to find the houses uh, that we dreamed of living in. We're using that gift to try to put our kids through school. But because of all of those things we just mentioned, we're not using them for the very purpose God gave us these gifts. And that purpose is to edify the body and to serve one another. not saying you can't use that gift in your career, but if that's the only way you use it, you need community to help you say, hey, brother, use your gifts to serve the body, the very body of Jesus, which is the church. The last one says, stir up one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Stir one another. (laughs) Someone said, um, Pastor, take it easy on us today. that's what we're supposed to do. But it can't end here. It's got to move beyond Sundays. Church, if you have no desire to live in community with others in the church, we have some homework to do with our hearts and just say, God, search my heart. Why? Why am I so opposed to living in community with the rest of the believers? and allow him to lead us so that we can live in a community that can care for us. These are just a few ways that the church is meant to care for you. And you may be struggling right now. You may be going through a very difficult time. You may be hurting. You may feel that there's no way out. And look, I can't tell you that the light is at the end of the tunnel. And I won't ever try to tell you that. But what I will tell you is that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are here to pray for you. We are here to help you. We are here to lend you a hand when you need it. Just let us do so. Let us do so. That's all we ask. And then the words of Christ where he says that his his yoke is easy, his burden is light. That becomes true because the body of Christ is what he's using in order to make it happen. Philippians 4.13, we all love that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul is talking about living with a lot and living with a little. But that verse is directly tied into the generosity of the church that was sending him money to support him, to care for him. We are the instrument. We are the hands and feet of Christ Jesus for one another. And we're inviting you to be a part of this. And so here's three things I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to consider and take the step to raise your hand and say, pastors, leadership, grace, church, I've raised my hand because I want to officially be a part of this church as a member we have this code here that you can, you can take a picture of or you can scan and you can get connected and you can get signed up for the next membership workshop. And why do we ask for that? Well, because that helps us know you're, you're a part of our flock. And it becomes a commitment where we care for you. But just as we care for you, you care for others as well. The second thing I want you to think about doing today is we want to invite you to sign up for a community group. If you've never lived in a community group, we want to invite you to do so. It's a great thing. You'll love it. You'll love it. You'll grow together. You'll cry together. You'll laugh together. And man, will you eat together. It's amazing. And I'm not just talking about eating. It's amazing. And the last thing I want you to think to consider doing is signing up to serve at your church. We all love it. We come in, man, it's just the right temperature. It feels great. This coffee's delicious. That handshake and that smile I received was amazing. And my kids are loving kids' ministry. We want to invite you to experience, listen, experience how it feels to serve someone just as you're being blessed by that, someone else when they come will be blessed by your service and your actions. Remember that Jesus says in the book of Mark, he says that the son of man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. That is our example. Whose feet are you washing? Whose feet are you washing? Who are you caring for? Who are you loving? And I'll close with this. One church said, if you choose to live outside of the church, which is the bride of Christ, you're choosing to divorce Jesus. Because it is his bride, by the way. And if you say no to my bride, you say no to me. There's no option. Like, that's that's just not an option. Because we are the body of Christ and we're all each individual members of it. To say no to Christ and to say no to his church is to be dismembered we are also a family who have been sons and daughters adopted and brought in by the father to say no to the church is to live as an orphan God has given us this community to care for each other church this is our opportunity to do so thank you for your time and let's pray together father we thank you for your love and kindness and we thank you that your son Jesus is the greatest example of humility and service We also thank you that through your words, it's very clear how you call us and expect us to live. And I just pray that as a church, we can grow to love to care for one another in community. We thank you and we pray this in his name. Amen.